himself did he. He gave his life to free the Grants to us, to us, past measure to his incorruptible treasure, grace to set free, bequeathing me his purity, so that I might live abundantly, abundant life. Christ pleads for us in dark temptations saves us from condemnation, rescued at sea, hope in that story, sweet story, saved so that I might live eternally.
I want to share with you a comforting truth about Jesus, and that is that he is the good shepherd from John chapter 10. Now, hopefully you already know about this, so it's not like this is something new that I'm telling you about for the very first time. But I hope you do know what it means that Jesus is our good shepherd. And I want us to take a look at just some of the passages in John chapter 10. And I would encourage you to, to read the entire chapter because there's more that we're not going to cover in this video. But I want us to see some things that can provide us with comfort whenever we might be going through some difficult times ourselves. Jesus is our good shepherd. Let's take a look. John chapter 1, the first six verses here. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. I hope that we can understand today what Jesus is telling the Pharisees and also great things that he tells us in this. We see that the way that Jesus talks about the shepherd right here is that there is a the shepherd and there are some imposters. There are other people. Jesus uses the term that they are a thief. They are a robber. You know, he's speaking about those who have tried to go a different way than what God is going because God has already had a plan for a long, long time. He's had a plan as what he wants and how, how he wants people to, to follow him in the way that it should look. Some people get it, you know, they kind of go off on something maybe a little different than what God had originally planned. Those people are the imposters that are leading the sheep astray. We are called, they were called even in the Old Testament, to be sheep, but most certainly in the New Testament, we see that comparison that we are supposed to be like sheep following our good shepherd, following Jesus Christ, wherever he might lead us. We see this image that Jesus is using that, that would make sense to them because they were used to shepherds going out to where this flock is and calling their flock and the flock would follow them because they knew each other. And here in this passage, we see there is only one shepherd. There is this good shepherd. That shepherd is the Lord. That shepherd is Jesus Christ. Let's keep looking because he says even more in this chapter, though. Let's skip on down a few verses now to uh, verses 11 through 13 of John 10. Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Well, think about it from you know, your perspective. I don't know exactly how you might feel, but I know that if I was just kind of hired to do some job of taking care of some animals, and then all of a sudden those animals are put into danger, I don't know if I would be quite as... Uh, see as much of a need to just kind of jump in and really risk my life for animals. 
in those types of situations because that's what a hired hand is like. The hired hand doesn't have that same involvement with these sheep. See, if it's the shepherd who owns the sheep and is taking care of the sheep, then that's everything about their life. Their whole livelihood and everything is wrapped up in this flock. They're going to protect it because it, it means everything to them. That's the example that Jesus Christ is bringing in right here. Jesus has a personal interest in us. He is this good shepherd. He's not just a hired hand. He's not just somebody who, you know, just says, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow God and you need to follow God. So let's just go. You know, no, Jesus has a direct interest in everything that God has been doing since the beginning of time. In fact, Jesus himself has been there since the beginning of time working with the Father. He is not just a hired hand. He is this good shepherd. He has a personal interest in each and every one of us. He cares for us. He will protect us against any attacks that come our way. He is this good shepherd. Let's keep looking because there's more. Verses 14 through 18 now. Jesus still talks about how he's the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So we find out a little bit more about how Jesus is our good shepherd. We find out that he knows us. And if we are the sheep that he has called us to be, then we know him. He also listens to us and he knows what's going on in our lives. And if we are his sheep, then we will listen to him as well. See, Jesus, he does these things for us. He knows us. He listens to us. What about us to him? Do we know him? Do we listen to him? Do we follow wherever he might lead? Because that's what sheep do. Sometimes sheep might be led into to, uh, dangerous situations because they're just following the shepherd. But guess what? We have a shepherd who is willing and able to protect us. We also find out in this passage here that he talks about in verse 16 that he has these other sheep. Keep in mind who he's talking to. He's talking to Israel at first. He's trying to get the nation of Israel to realize it's not just about them. There's others that need to be brought into the flock of God. They need to be brought in because there is only one flock. There is only one shepherd. This is the good shepherd, Jesus Christ himself. How does he prove that? How does he demonstrate that? How does he show it to us? Well, he demonstrated it because he laid down his life for us. Someone didn't take it from him. Verse 18 makes this plain. Jesus was always in control. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing every step of the way, and he knew that what he was doing is he was following that command that he received from his father. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you remember, Jesus prayed that he just wanted that cup to pass from him, but ultimately he prayed that the will of the father be done. And he willingly kept taking those steps closer and closer to the cross, knowing what was going to happen, but also knowing 
that his life was not taken from him. His life was freely given. That's how he shows that he knows us, he listens to us, he cares for us in so many different ways. So he laid down his life for us. What about you? What have you done for him? Have you laid down your life for him? It only makes sense that we would do such a thing, but yet when we're faced with that decision, sometimes it's harder to make than you might think. But still, Jesus is not done talking about this good shepherd in this passage. There's still more. John chapter 10. Now we're going to be in verses 24 through 30. Now this, a little bit of time has passed, but yet there still is this misunderstanding of who Jesus is and what he's doing. So verses 24 through 30, we read this. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you were the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Here in, in this passage, we see some more great truth about how powerful Jesus is. How powerful is the hand of the Lord. Nobody can take us from his power. Nobody can, can make you fall away from Christ. If you fall away from Christ and if you choose some other pathway, it was your choice. But it was not the will of God. God wants all to be saved. He desires for all to repent and to have this eternal life. Just like Jesus desired all these Jews that he was talking to, he desired for them to believe also. But they didn't believe. They just wouldn't. They're still asking him this question in verse 24. Look, if you were the Messiah, just tell us plainly. Jesus looks at him in, in verse 25. He says, I did tell you. I mean, he's already done it. What can you do to a people who you repeatedly tell them the truth, but they don't listen? Can you make them listen? Jesus could not make them listen. He couldn't make them believe. And he tells them, I did tell you, but you do not believe. And he even gives some reasons for, you know, what was going on. That he was just acting as what his father would have him to do. But he also makes this statement in verse 27, once again, about how my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. and They follow me. I hope that describes you. It should describe all of us who are Christians. And we see in verse 28 that he gives them eternal life. He gives his sheep eternal life. And there is no one on earth or anywhere else for that matter who can snatch us out of the hand of God. That's a wonderful, confident statement that we can have because we are a child of God, because we are sheep of this one flock that is ruled by, led by the good shepherd. And we find in this last few verses right here, especially in verse 30, we see that Jesus and the Father are one. They are the same one. Jesus that we see in the New Testament, he's the same as the Father who, who did all the great miracles and wonderful things that he did in the Old Testament that led everything to that point in history. 
And in the Old Testament, we actually find some comforting thoughts from several different passages too. One of them is perhaps the most familiar to us and, and likely you, you know it by heart and is very similar in thought of what Jesus picks up here and says that he is the good shepherd. Well, God said something like that in the Old Testament too. Let's look at it together. Psalm 23. It's the entire psalm, but it is short. Let's look at it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We see all these great images here that are picked up. Every single one of these statements, they were certainly true in the Old Testament with Israel and their God. Guess what? It is most definitely true in the New Testament as well with us as Christians, the sheep. We have this Lord as our shepherd, as our good shepherd. He takes care of us just like each one of these lines in this this uh, bit of poetry here. Each one of these lines talks about how God takes care of his children. Each one of these lines talk about how Jesus, our good shepherd, takes care of his sheep and what he does for us. He provides everything we could possibly want and then more. We see this final thought in verse six. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's actually a promise that we're given. It's something that we see how it's going to be able to, to come to truly uh, be a thing in the New Testament with Jesus Christ. That yes, his goodness and his love, it did follow the people of God. And we see that goodness and that love, that sacrifice that he gave, his life in place of our life, and what he did on the cross. But even more than that, how he raised up from the dead and promised that we can raise up from the dead too. We can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can dwell with the Lord forever. No one can snatch him. Uh, no one can snatch us, sorry, from his hand. That is how powerful our God is. These are comforting thoughts for us to, to rest assured on any time that we need that comfort from God. God's willing to give it to us. Are we willing to accept it? And are we willing to share this knowledge with people around us? We want you back, we want you back, we want the sheep back in the fold. We want you back, we want you back, we want the coin back in its mold. Lost like a sheep that went astray, or a son who dared to roam. Come, come back to the faith, come, come back to your God, come, come back to the fold. We want the sheep back in the fold. We want you back. We want you back. We want the coin back in its mold. Oh, please don't stay there in the world. For it's terrible.
Come back to the fold. 